0: Now, the school year is well underway and most learners, uh, almost all learners, are settling into their classes. I'm aware of the fact that there are still some struggling to find places in schools. That is a conversation for another day. Today, we want to focus on those who are settled in schools and specifically settling into their first experience of high school, the grade eights. I've been there twice. My producers gone there for the second time this year. It's a time of immense change in young people's lives. Any parent knows that. They have moved up from primary school. They've gone from being the big fish in the small pond of primary school to suddenly finding ins- themselves in high school, often feeling very anonymous in a space that's much bigger than the one that they might have come from. Add to that the hormones at play. They're 13, turning 14 in most cases. It's a very significant time in terms of physical and emotional development. So, expect turbulence I guess is the message if you're heading into the space of life and the person who's going to help guide us through the turbulence this afternoon uh, with me in studio is specialist wellness counsellor and support learning specialist Melissa van Gaal thank you so much for joining us Melissa welcome
1: thank you Peppa, and thank you listeners before we talk about the grade eights just tell us a little bit about yourself and the the kind of services you offer so I am specialized in two areas Mm -hmm. the first area is support learning which is primarily education and it's working with learners in how they learn best. So we actually use their strengths to help them take on the challenges. We also help them learn about their learning styles so that they can apply it to the academic classroom environment, right. which is quite a bit of fun because I work with quite a diverse set of learners, mm. from your very gifted to your special needs learners to your average learner that's just finding the larger classrooms a little bit overwhelming.
0: Okay.
1: And my other area is I specialize in wellness counseling. So a huge thing for me is educational wellness. A big part of my um, programs that I introduce and workshops that I introduce, we're actually quite excited. I'm working in collaboration with John Kruger, and we're actually doing an educational wellness workshop series. And it's the first time we're running the full series for grade eight and grade nine. So we're very excited. When you say educational wellness, elaborate, what do you mean? take that term to mean? For us, it means looking at the whole individual in their learning space. So we look at creating harmony in their lives. So we don't just look at the academics. We actually look at their lifestyle, their social side, the emotional side, the mental side, because all of those at the end of the day actually play a huge role in the development of Mm -hmm. learners. And educational wellness is about that. It's not just looking at the academics. It's looking at each learner. As the individual that they are and making sure that they've got the correct nutrition, making sure that they have healthy friendships, making sure that they have the correct social skills to adapt to different environments. We look at the physical, you know, mm-hmm. um, what kind of health strategies can they use in their daily life? And as you mentioned earlier, you know, it's that 13, 14 hormone setting in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and helping them with self-regulation, because mm-hmm. often with those hormones, it becomes a very overwhelming stage of life for them. Mm. So this is why educational wellness is very important and not just academics.
0: Thank you. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, There's so much more uh, to, to the concept of a child thriving at school than just what the marks are saying they're doing in class. So I love that you are looking at that holistically. So let's talk about that transition from primary school to grade eight. Some seem to just sail through it. Some move from a a feeder school into a high school. All of their friends move with them. They are friendship circles that they know. They feel quite secure. And it all seems so easy. And then others might come as perhaps the only child from their previous primary school to go to that high school. Maybe they have moved up with a circle of friends that has reformed around them. And everything around them changes. But let's talk a little bit more about the specific challenges of that move from grade seven to grade eight, Melissa. I think one of the
1: biggest challenges, first of all, is the change in how they tackle their workload. Um, in the primary school, it's a lot more, for a lack of a better word, spoon fed. Whereas mm-hmm. at high school, it's very much you're independent, you're on your own, you're responsible for yourself. And for every grade eight learner, this is probably one of the biggest challenges they face. The second biggest challenge is actually the social dynamics, because the activities they do, the way they interact, changes quite a bit Mm -hmm. in that grade eight year. And becoming part of the high school, which is a very different dynamic, even if you are in a feeder school or moving in a school that has a primary school and a high school, the dynamics change. The environment changes. So
0: there is a big shift in both the social and the academics. Mm. I I changed schools a lot. I went to nine in total. And of all of those moves, the hardest move by far was the one in the middle of grade eight because I moved cities and schools. And Melissa, arriving in a new school where everybody had just gone through the scramble to find friends and work out who's who in this big new high school and bed those down, and then a term later, I arrived. It was a very hard nut to crack. What advice for those who, who... are finding themselves a little bit on the arts, who maybe haven't have had the security of a friend to hold their hand, or have found that the person who was their best friend in primary school has found a different circle of friends and has maybe thrown themselves into new extramurals that are, that are taking them in different directions. It's a really tough time to feel lonely, on top of all the hormones and everything. What, what advice would you give to a child who's in that feeling, this sort of social isolation? Um, when
1: I was in high school, I actually changed high schools myself. Mm-hmm. And I went to a few interviews at different high schools. And one of the principals said something to me that has stuck with me for life. She said, look at your hand. You've got five fingers on that hand. That is how many true friends you're going to make in life. And it stuck with me because I realized there is this huge, um, almost pure pressure to be friends with everybody mm-hmm. that we actually forget the meaning of friendship. And I really want to reiterate for those that are trying to find their friendship circles that it's about finding your true friends. It's about finding people that connect with you. And I love what you were saying about the extramurals. If Mm -hmm. you are feeling on the isolation side, join in on the extramurals. Participate in the extramurals because you will find people who have similar interests to you, people who have similar values and beliefs to you, which is really, really important. So when you're in those extramurals, also the other thing to bear in mind is that they're often in smaller groups. And Mm -hmm. it's easier to network in a smaller group than it is to be sitting in your big classroom, a whole lot of new people. You're not even sure who really fits with you, who has similar interests, and you're not even sure of the dynamics in the classroom. Whereas in your extramurals, whether it be sports, whether it be cultural, whether it be debate, society, whatever makes you happy, music, Mm. find that group and start joining those extramurals and build your networks from there. I think we underestimate the importance of extramurals in
0: Mm. the dynamics of actually forming your social circles if anybody listening has questions or wants to share their own personal experience, perhaps you are a couple of weeks into the first year of grade 8 and want to reflect on the things that have been easy or difficult for your child, we'd welcome your input. You can leave a voice note on 0725671567 or uh, you can send a text on WhatsApp to 0725671567. The other option, of course, is to phone us on 0214460567. The academics you mentioned, Melissa, obviously there's a big shift, not only in the kind of content that you're covering but in that sense of taking ownership of it being responsible for it for yourself there's no more teacher checking a homework diary it's either done or it's not Um, any advice on the academic point of view for managing that if you know in a perfect world, a child has had a good good work ethic, been supported in good learning habits the whole way through primary school. That transition might be easier for some than others. For that, the person who's finding it really hard, what advice on managing that? I, I remember that feeling of there's so much work. So all of these subjects, some of them are brand new. The workload seems so much bigger and you've just got to juggle it all yourself. What advice for, for the child who's struggling? I think the best piece of advice that I'm going to
1: share, and people still today find this quite shocking, your optimum concentration is actually the equivalence of your age. So if you're 13, 14 years old, your concentration at its best is for 13 to 14 minutes which is a real shocker. And I hear time and time again from all my learners, oh, but I studied three hours for this test and I don't understand why I got those results. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that everything after, say, 20 minutes, you didn't retain. You've lost that information. So if you're working on your workload and you're trying to manage it, My suggestion is focus on 20-minute sessions and then take a break and make sure that break is a movement break. Go make yourself a cup of tea, go outside, get some fresh air, um, go have a quick chat with mom and dad in the kitchen or if you have a sibling. Um, I suggest avoiding technology during your little breaks, but in managing that workload and aim for that short period of time because that aim of that short success is better. And even if you get 10 minutes, it's success of 10 minutes. So instead of putting pressure on yourself to focus on these huge amounts of work that can be extremely overwhelming, focus on the small steps. Smokers focus on taking five minutes, then to 10 minutes, and build yourself up from there. It makes life a lot easier. I love
0: what you said about the taking the break away from the desk and away from technology, because I know uh, for many youngsters, the the temptation would be, I'm going to take a break from studying. Let's hop onto WhatsApp or chat with my friend or go onto social media and see a TikTok video. Um, Why do you think that's not a good way of, of taking a study break? Because technology is
1: actually very stimulating and it overstimulates you. When you're taking your study break, you need to let the information that you've been focusing on process through your mind. And to process information, you need quiet, not stimulation. And technology actually stimulates. So that is why I suggest the movement because you get your circulation going, you're getting some oxygen into your system, you're kind of recharging, rejuvenating your brain. Whereas technology, what you're gonna do is you're gonna sit down. You're gonna sit on your phone and then you're getting a huge visual and audio stimulus which prevents the processing from occurring
0: mm, that's such important advice uh, just for anybody who's coming late to the conversation my guest in studio is Melissa van Hull who is a specialist wellness counsellor and support learning specialist talking specifically today about the transition out of primary school and into high school that big leap to grade eight some kids manage it without batting an eyelid. Others find it a really difficult, if not traumatic, step up. And it's for many different reasons. It's the scramble to find friends. It's the, the 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 academic step up in terms of the work. It's also the involvement of parents. And this is one I had to really manage myself on. Coming from a primary school where there was a lot of parental involvement, where we were encouraged to be there and to be involved in the school. And I loved that about our primary school. For me as a parent, going back several years now because the child in question is already at varsity, but having to learn to step back and say, you need to manage this now. I have to actually start handing over the reins to you and say, you need to take responsibility for this. Some parents find that harder than others, A-types like myself (laughs) among those who struggled. But would you like to make the case as to why it's so important to start doing that early on in the high school career?
1: I think what I would like to do is I'm going to take a slight detail tour here yep. and talk to parents a little bit more about using proactive language Okay. Um, what a lot of parents do is they want to still take control of the reins and guide the child and by changing your language you can still be involved which is very important for any learner they need the validation they need the affirmation but proactive language is key so for example instead of being like oh have you studied today which sounds very dominating mm-hmm. very um, directive saying something along the lines of oh what did you find interesting today and bringing out the conversation in that kind of way which still allows you to build the relationship with your child have that communication but allow them a lot more independence because you're not dictating have they studied you're not dictating how long have they studied for instead you're bringing the conversation out what was your favorite part about what you studied today Which topic did you find most challenging? It's proactive language that engages conversations. And that way, I think a lot of parents feel that they are disconnecting from the child. Mm. And proactive language actually means you can still connect with your high schooler, but give them that essential independence and responsibility which they need. And I think for parents, it's very difficult to do this. But having that engagement and having that proactive language is so important Um little things like instead of saying have you packed your bag have you done this is your clothes in the wash mm. you know a little thing more along the lines of uh, I noticed that the wash basket is a little bit empty is there anything you would like to add to the mm-hmm. wash basket so you're still engaging but it is definitely not dictating and I think it's important because the learners have to actually and the children have to think for themselves why why is the wash basket empty? <laughs>
0: Well, because the clothes are still lying on my floor upstairs. okay. I'm sure there are lots of parents nodding in their cars right now. Um, Okay, so parental involvement. I love what you said about it's not that you can't be involved in high school, but that that level of involvement has got to reformat itself, I guess, for the new phase of life that your child's entering. Not so.
1: Yes, it's reframing the context, not sort of alienating Mm. or distancing. It's reframing how you connect with your child. These are children becoming adults. And I love to say to parents that this is the key where the freedom comes with the responsibility. The more responsible your child is, the more freedom they have. And this is a great way to have that parent interaction with your child because as they become more responsible, they realize they gain a bit more freedom. And I think that for children is extremely rewarding, especially Mm. teenagers who are becoming adults. I feel a lot of them feel trapped. A lot of them feel that they don't have any freedom. But if they understand that responsibility is linked to that freedom, so if they realize that they're actually studying and as a result, they get that extra hour later over the weekends or that mm-hmm. extra hour of technology, or maybe they get to go to the sports match with their friends, they start to realize the more responsible I am, the more freedom I have, and the more I am in control of my own life. And I think that's an important skill because we have to carry that as adults. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, a compliment coming in for you from Mandy and Marina Degama, who says, I'm 64 years old, but wow, what an amazing speaker. I wish she'd been around when I was at school. Mandy, thank you so much for that. In case you're wondering, her name is Melissa Van Hull. Melissa, I mean... um the last thing I wanted to ask you about is is what to look out for in terms of warning signs that things are not going okay. Obviously, you expect some wobbles. It is a big adjustment for most kids. So you need to be prepared for the occasional emotional wobble and, and, and just be there for them, supporting that. But when should you worry that that it's more than just difficulty adjusting to to the new class and the new school environment?
1: I think this is a very important question to actually take into consideration. And bearing in mind, parents, that these are teenagers, they are going through drastic changes. You're going to experience great changes. They're going to spend more time in their bedroom Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're going to spend more time with friends and you're not going to see them as much. But be aware when they stop communicating, when there's no communication at all. We're not talking a decrease or a change in communication. We're talking no communication. We're talking when they're not involved at school. Um, We're talking at when they are saying that they've got issues with peers. Watch out for peer issues. And um, When they're talking about a specific peer and that peer keeps coming up, that is a warning sign, especially with bullying. And bullying is something we really do need to watch out for. Mm. So the key with teenagers is to watch out for drastically changing behavior. We're not talking your teenage hormone changes. Mm-hmm. We're talking drastic behavior. And also to be aware, there's a thing that I like to call decompression time for teenagers yeah. and for adults and for even young kids and allow them to have decompression time if you give your child decompression time the chances are they will communicate with you more because they have time to process the day that they've had another way to watch out for signals and it's something that I think is very important is family dinners I think a lot of families are not having family dinners anymore and it's essential to have family dinners because this is the chance where you get to communicate about your day parents another great thing to do to help your children communicate is share your worries share your concerns if you've had an altercation at work where someone was a bit difficult when you're at the dinner table, share that. Oh, you won't believe what happened today. I had a bit of an altercation with one of my colleagues and I'm feeling a bit stressed so that they realize that these are daily activities that actually happen and everybody experiences these things. Teenagers need to know what they're experiencing is okay. What they're feeling is valid. So if they realize that you as an adult are having similar experiences in the work environment, in your own social circles, they will be more forthcoming with the information and that That's
0: going to help you pick up if they're red flags. It's such wonderful advice. And Melissa, I've so enjoyed having you on the show, as have so many of our listeners who are writing in to say thank you for this really great practical advice. We'll have to get you back again. But in the meantime, won't you please leave our listeners with a way of contacting you? If somebody is listening to this going, this is the kind of support I'd like to engage for my teen. How do they make contact with you?
1: First of all, thank you so much for having me. And thank you Pleasure. for all the wonderful comments that are coming through. You can contact me on two avenues. You can WhatsApp me on 76 Six zero nine nine five seven four. That's 76 609 or you can drop a look at my website which is www.eduhelp.co.za and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. It's a conversation
0: to be picked up again at a later date Melissa. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you again for having me. Have a Thank wonderful day. You too.